Welcome back, listeners. This is John from Dirty Harry Minute, and this is May 24th, 2020. All of us here hope you and your loved ones are doing the best you can in current situations. Wow, what a world. Uh, But it seems, God forbid, the green shoots are finally sprouting and things tentatively baby steps. Hopefully you're back on the way to a bit of normalcy in your life. Harry Callahan's probably the last thing on your mind at the moment. But true to our word, we hope to offer you something once a month for the rest of the year. We hope you enjoyed the previous episode. Um, Boy, what it would have been like to see that movie on that December night back in 1971, yeah? Maybe you grab a new quarter pounder thing at McDonald's on the way in and you plan your trip next year to this new Disney World thing. Yeah what it would have been like to be there at the time. I tell you, I kind of got excited myself. Now, today we have a very, very special episode for you. It is a debate. What we did, we assembled eight previous guests and friends of the show, split them up into two teams uh, to debate a topic. Uh, This is one of many debates we hope to have. In the next year, this topic was Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today. Uh, Fitting for the times, it wasn't done live. It wasn't even done by Zoom, um, but by each of the speakers in order recording their piece at home in their own time. And I think we've managed to assemble a nice little audio essay So thanks very much to all those who took part. Um, There was a surprisingly large amount of talk about vaginas. In contrast, um, little was said about Harry's phallus, that 44 cannon, interestingly enough. And of course, you know, COVID-19 had to raise its head. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Thanks very much to Ben Pobji for adjudicating the debate. And adding and sprinkling in his little humorous asides to each speaker. Remember, we highly recommend you check out his podcast, Gather Around Me. Good fun indeed. Uh, Tim Trent and I hope to record a Magnum Force audio commentary sometime in August or so, which promises to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to re-watching that sequel, which... I've always regarded very fondly. And in fact, I always, in my adolescence, I probably knew this film a bit better than Dirty Harry, the amount of times that I'd rewatched it on a uh, an ex-rental VHS I'd bought. Anyhow, if you like and subscribe, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, that would be very appreciated, particularly if you could leave a review on iTunes, especially where we seem to have most of our downloads that would be greatly appreciated just a one one sentence review would be helpful in putting us into the charts and until next time enjoy the following debate and catch you later hammerhead greetings and welcome dear listeners my name is ben pobji and i am here to present the dirty harry debate the subject at hand dirty harry is an irresponsible, if not fascist, film that could never be made today. We will have four brilliant speakers arguing the case for that assertion, and we will have four equally brilliant speakers arguing against it. Dirty Harry defenders, Dirty Harry attackers, trying to sort out the question of just what is this seminal cop-killer classic? Clint Eastwood will no doubt be listening intently to find out the result of this debate. With no further ado, let's get into it. Let's find out just what is Dirty Harry. And for our first speaker, arguing in the affirmative, we have Daniel Thompson. I'm Daniel Thompson, and I am the first affirmative speaker to debate the topic that Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that couldn't be made today. 
So let's get some things quickly out of the way. The movie does support the police ignoring having to get warrants, being openly racist, torturing people, trespassing, and facing little administrative punishments for ignoring the laws that govern them. It also doesn't even come close to passing the Bechdel test, which puts it right in line with how police act today and how women are treated by the media in modern-day America, so I can't say that a film presenting regressive beliefs like this wouldn't be made today. But I can debate this on other points. Now my first point is the most obvious. Dirty Harry's diet is atrocious, especially since he's around 40 in this movie, and a 40-year-old person today would be a millennial. And we millennials wouldn't be at a diner eating hot dogs. Harry should be going to a local co-op and buying avocado toast and a kombucha. I'm thinking ginger. Harry strikes me as a ginger kombucha kind of guy. Next is his handgun. While the 44 Magnum may have been the most powerful handgun of the 70s, that's just ridiculous to say that today. Harry should be using a Smith & Wesson Model 500, which, when firing a round of a similar mass, would have around 2,000 more joules of energy than a 44 Magnum. Plus, people sometimes attach scopes to those, and I have seen a video of someone hitting a target at, like, 200 yards? So... Harry wouldn't even have to switch to the rifle when he was on top of the building hunting Scorpio. Now let's move on to the quarry at the end. If you listened to the previous minute I was on, you'd know that the quarry has loads of asbestos. And this movie presents the dangerous message that you can just waltz into a quarry without PPE and without having to sign in. To be responsible, the movie should have both Scorpio and Harry stop at the front office, sign in, take an hour-long safety orientation, don slip-on steel-toed boots, a positive pressure respirator, safety glasses, and coveralls before they continue their gunfight. Then, they should have done asbestos they could to avoid getting in the way of the quarry workers. And finally, when Scorpio found the child fishing, he should have been a responsible adult and reported the operators of this quarry to M. Shaw for allowing a child on site before he took the child hostage. Now, my final point about how ridiculous and problematic this movie is has three different mini-points. What weapon Harry chooses, what target he's hunting in the movie, and finally, how he behaves while hunting his target. Why did Harry waste his time hunting Scorpio? Scorpio only kills like four people over the course of the movie, and the movie takes place over several days. Whereas the coronavirus kills way more than that each day. It was just irresponsible for him to waste the police department's time and money hunting down Scorpio. When, if he had just gone after the coronavirus, he could have saved so many more lives just by blasting it out of the air. So I did a bit of research here, and according to Features, Evaluation, and Treatment, Coronavirus, COVID-19, by Marco Caskella et al., uh, the diameter of a COVID-19 is between 60 to 140 nanometers, whereas the diameter of a 44 Magnum bullet is 10.9 millimeters. If we take this larger diameter, the cross-sectional area of COVID-19 is 15,394 square nanometers. And when I crunch the numbers, with a well-placed shot, Harry could be able to hit approximately 6.06 .06 billion COVID-19s with each shot. And if instead of using the 44 Magnum and Harry had just picked up Popwell's 12-gauge shotgun, the virus death toll would be even higher. Firing a slug through it, he'd be able to kill about 17 billion with each shot. If he instead opted for double-op buck, as a lot of police departments do, the nine pellets in each shell would be able to take down 32 billion viruses with each shot. And not only is Harry wasting his time going after some two-bit serial killer like Scorpio, he also completely ignores social distancing guidelines, providing a bad example for anyone who might be looking to this movie for health advice. In fact, one of the few people who actually 
takes at least a few precautions is the man who beats up Scorpio to frame Harry. This man makes sure to put on some gloves before he beats up Scorpio because he doesn't know if Scorpio has the coronavirus. Now, I would have preferred if he had taken the time to put on a surgical mask and face shield, but this can be excused maybe with a scene showing this man as a responsible member of his community who has donated his surgical masks and face shields to the local hospital. Then, uh, another scene showing him putting himself in self-quarantine before going to visit his family again. So, as you can see, if this movie was made today, we need to arm Harry with a shotgun, full personal protective equipment, and he'd have to spend his whole time ignoring the Scorpio killings and solving the coronavirus. And that's why Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic movie that could not be remade today. That was Daniel Thompson getting medical on our asses, attacking Dirty Harry from a health perspective, bringing in the coronavirus, also bringing in the food pyramid. Very, uh, Harold the Healthy Giraffe style. Food for thought. Well, we'll see. Because now we have our first contribution from the negative side. This is Mitch Grinter, here to change your minds. Hi, my name is Mitch Grinter. I'm the first speaker for the negative. Fans of Dirty Harry... Uh, minute might remember me from the rooftop shootout a uh, couple minutes back there that I did. And fans of podcasts in general might know me from Four Finger Discount. Of course, there they may not recognize me without hearing the words, I am Mitch. Now, firstly, I would like to thank my opponent, Daniel Thompson, for basically spending six minutes making my argument for me. Um, we'll get Elephant in the Room out of the way. Yes, Dirty Harry is a film that features torture, ignoring warrants, no administrative punishment of any kind. Harry himself is a racist, misogynist, rule-breaker who trusts his gut above all else and thinks the law is crazy. To be honest, the only difficulty, though, about remaking this movie in 2020 is that Harry wouldn't be a cop. He'd be a politician. But, you know, look, maybe we are looking at this a little bit too literally. We're too fixated on what's in the movie and has this outdated and has that outdated. Well, of course it's all outdated. It's a movie that was made in 1971 and we're here in 2020. The movie is the best part of 50 years old. Times change, but that doesn't mean that the core themes aren't still relevant today. The greatest works of culture do more than just entertain on face value. They exist to examine society as it stands. Harry is the perfect protagonist for a movie today. To the right, he'd be every bit the straight-up lawman that he was in 1971, a man who shoots through red tape, who shoots first and asks questions never, the exact sort of man needed to put those snowflakes on Twitter back in their place. To the left, he'd be a gritty study of the anti-hero, equal parts scorn of the state of the world we live in today and admiration for the sheer dogged-mindedness of those who believe that they are right at all times, no matter the evidence. It would be a movie that critics from both The Guardian and The Daily Mail would praise. But where The Daily Mail would see a take-no-prisoners cop who puts results above all else, breaking rules faster than he can break cases, an ultra-violent solution to society's problems, the exact sort of inspiration that our leaders need right now, The Guardian would see a take-no-prisoners cop who puts results above all else, breaking rules faster than he can break cases, an ultra-violent solution to society's problems the exact sort of example being set by our leaders right now. Now, as Daniel said, one of the other things that's outdated, Harry's diet, yes. Harry's choice of gun, yes. But that's fine. That's what remakes are for. Okay, so we improve the diet. We improve the gun. What else? The wardrobe, for one thing. Daniel mentioned asbestos in the quarry. To be frank, I'm more concerned about the asbestos that might be contained in Harry's jacket. And look, no one really wears a tie to work anymore. So the Dirty Harry reboot starts with a little shopping montage set to taking care of business in the opening few minutes. Maybe a haircut or something. You know, easy. These are cosmetic changes. Nothing that a stylist and a nutritionist can't fix. Certainly nothing that's going to stop a movie from being remade. I mean, okay, yes, there needs to be more female representation. That absolutely can't be denied. Perhaps three out of every eight roles to be recast as female. 
The biggest problem with a remake right now, though, that I can see is that serial killers aren't really in vogue anymore. I mean, back in 2007, even David Fincher couldn't please people. And in a post-isolation, the air can kill me world? Well, the problems of a cop and a kidnapper don't amount to a hill of beans anymore. Daniel suggested Harry take on the coronavirus itself. A ridiculous idea, of course. Chief Wickham already did that against the dreaded Osaka flu, and the last thing that anybody needs is another five months of Simpsons predicted the future memes. But what is it really that the coronavirus speaks to? What is it that it has in common with the original Dirty Harry movie? Fear. Coronavirus has done what M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening could never do. It's made us fear the very air that we breathe. So, here's my pitch. In the style of modern reboots, we'll throw out the sequels. Harry, in the early onset of asbestosis, thank you, Daniel, notices an unusual number of people at the clinic that he's been visiting have recently taken a turn for the worse. The doctors write it off as an anomaly, but Harry knows better than those lab coats with their PhDs. He's lured out of retirement one last wheezing time and uncovers a tale of corporate corruption and government greed that has led the mayor's office to hide knowledge of widespread contamination of the largest supplier of air conditioning units and ventilators to the city. Set during a record heat wave that'll rope in the um, box office dollars from climate activists, the hotter people get, the sicker and the sicker they get. And the sicker they get, the even more sicker they get. It sets Harry on a collision course with the factory manager, probably an immigrant. One line has happened and Michael Pena is in there somewhere. Boom. Writes itself. Alternatively, studios do love a movie universe and crossovers. So, you know, who's to say that we can't get some postmodern comedy out of this? There's been a long time since we've had a good parody movie made. So perhaps Dirty Harry and the Hendersons or When Dirty Harry Met Dirty Sally. That one actually probably is already a porn parody, to be fair. Mitch Grinter, going in hard for the negative there and letting his imagination run wild as he uh, mentally scripts the very Dirty Harry remake he is asserting could be made. But is a reboot of the franchise, as Mariah Carey once sang, just a sweet, sweet fantasy baby? Perhaps it will all become clearer with the next speaker for the affirmative. This is Evelyn Hamlet. Hi there, it's Evelyn. I've appeared on a few episodes of the Dirty Harry Minute podcast. Very happy to take part in this debate about why Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today. So let's get into it. So Harry is the poster boy for entitled white males who think the law and rules don't apply to them. And despite what Four Fingers Mitch thinks, you can't just wave a magic wand and make a couple of cosmetic changes and expect it to fix all the problems with the film. Really, it goes much deeper to the core themes of the film. The film is racist, misogynistic, homophobic and entitled. And I'm just talking about Harry and Scorpio. Sure, it's a good idea to rewrite the film, make it about fearing an air conditioning virus or whatever, but it's not the virus audiences should fear. It's Harry himself. Harry is a dangerous, unhinged, gun-toting individual who doesn't belong in modern cinema remakes or as the title character of any film in 2020. Let's break this down. Social distancing and Harry do not go together. Harry is obsessed with not social distancing, especially around Scorpio. He is obsessed with Scorpio so much that it clouds his judgment and he thinks it's a good idea to stalk him when things don't go his way. Sounds like every white male ever. (laughs) Can't take no for an answer. So basically, he ignores Scorpio's basic human rights to exist. Okay, Scorpio was a dick. We get it. But Harry is acting like a spoilt child who didn't get his G.I. Joes for Christmas and decides that stalking is the right way to approach this scenario instead of just letting it the fuck go. Secondly, Harry is stupid. Stalking Scorpio was a stupid move, which leads Scorpio to framing Harry for bashing him, which then lands Harry in more hot water. And Harry is also stupid because he didn't get an arrest warrant when he arrested Scorpio the first time. So all that evidence that they collected was inadmissible in a court of law, all because Harry didn't do his due diligence and fill out some paperwork to get an arrest warrant. So Harry is mad at the justice system because they wouldn't ignore the fact that 
he didn't get a warrant. But he caught the killer, but he didn't get a warrant, which meant evidence was inadmissible. So he's mad about that and thinks he has to take the law into his own hands. But I'm mad at Harry because he failed that poor dead girl by wasting an opportunity to put Scorpio away the first time. If he had just filled out that fucking paperwork, he could have put Scorpio away the first time instead of releasing a serial killer back into society. Harry is not an effective cop, and sometimes to get shit done, you need to cross your T's and dot your I's and get a warrant. Finally, because he let Scorpio slip through his fingers by not getting an arrest warrant, Harry then goes on to endanger the lives of children, all because he didn't get it through his thick white male entitled skull that the law actually applies to him. And if he had just filled out that fucking paperwork, again with the paperwork, those kids probably would not have been tortured by Scorpio singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat on a bus. Honestly, those kids were probably begging for death by the end of that ride. Look, I get it. Scorpio is a madman. He is, in no doubt, crazy motherfucker and deserves to go to prison for what he did. But my focus here is on Harry. Would you trust someone who just takes the law into their own hands? Would you trust someone who can't even put a serial killer behind bars or because the thought of doing a little bit of paperwork was just all too hard basket? Would you trust someone who ignores people's constitutional basic rights? And the frustrating thing is, Harry takes the justice, decides to take justice into his own hands because he thinks he can't do it through legal channels. But the whole time he refuses to acknowledge all the mistakes he made up to that point. I can hear you saying, but it's not his fault, the girl was going to die. Guys, hard facts. The girl was never going to live. This is a 1970s cop movie and the only women in it are secretaries and nude dead bodies. There was a lot of pussyfooting that occurred up to this point and Harry failed that girl because he is another white male who thinks he knows better than the people he's trying to protect or the scum he's trying to put away. It's kind of like how some world leaders don't want to own up to the fact that they've made mistakes about coronavirus and if they'd just owned up and and done the right thing in the first place at the right time when they were supposed to, they could have prevented a lot of suffering. Honestly, police are there to protect. Laws are there to protect citizens from becoming uncivilized cowboys and shooting each other in the face. And laws are in place for a reason. Everyone is entitled to a fair trial and basic human rights. So when does personal interest become more important than the greater health and safety of the people you're supposed to be protecting? Harry abused his police powers the same way Trump abuses his presidential powers for his own personal vendettas. And Harry would 100% be a Trump supporter and a staunch Republican. Fuck the law, fuck the Constitution, that's fake news, and that's why we can't have another Dirty Harry film. Evelyn Hamlet there, excoriating Dirty Harry as a violent, homophobic, racist, misogynistic white male, totally out of touch with modern values. And untrustworthy. Well, do we trust Dirty Harry? Or do we simply find him arousing yet problematic? Well, Evelyn made a powerful case, but there's just as powerful a rebuttal coming up next. Because we have Sean German about to speak for the negative. Take it away, Sean. Hello, I am Sean German. You may know me from such Dirty Harry Minutes as Minute 98, and from such podcasts as Spinal Tap Minute and Groundhog Minute. On the motion, Dirty Harry could not be made today, I am the second speaker for the negative, that Dirty Harry could very well be made for a contemporary audience in 2020. I want to start by thanking my fellow debaters on this topic. You've all made some valid points. I particularly recognize Evelyn Hamlet for her insightful and cogent arguments. But I must call out her use of the phrase pussyfooting in a derogatory manner. First, why the colloquial pussy? What's wrong with vagina? Does the word make you uncomfortable? Some people don't like hearing it and find it difficult to say. Second, the vagina is one of the strongest organs in the human body. It is the vagina which can withstand the process of childbirth. A vagina foot would be a strong foot indeed. A foot with which to be reckoned. And on to Dirty Harry Callahan. We've heard the accusations that Harry is racist, a misogynist, homophobic, the cliche entitled white male. But Harry is none of these things, 
Harry is annoyed and bothered by all the incompetent and criminal people he encounters, without regard to race, color, or creed. The chief, the mayor, the Scorpio killer, all white men who Harry holds in contempt as much as he holds any woman or person of color. Evelyn also accuses Harry of ignoring Scorpio's basic right to exist. But in this, she falls into the trap of tolerating intolerance, also known as the paradox of tolerance. The trap is the idea that in a tolerant society, we must accept and even embrace all points of view. But as Karl Popper, the Austrian philosopher, described it, in order to maintain a tolerant society, the society must be intolerant of intolerance. It is Scorpio who is intolerant of others' right to life. And it is that intolerance which Harry cannot, should not, and must not tolerate. Evelyn, among others, blames Harry for Scorpio's release, that Harry did not get an arrest warrant. She admits he caught the killer, but he failed. If only he had just filled out that paperwork. To quote, sometimes to get work done, you have to cross your T's and dot your I's. And she accuses Harry of choosing to work outside the system and take the law into his own hands. But he does not choose to work outside the system. Harry tries to work within the system. It is the system that fails Harry and forces him to work around the rules that society lays out for him to do the job society expects of him. Do you want a legal system over-obsessed with process and bureaucracy? Yes, we need rules. And those with power need to abide by those rules. In most cases. Fiction is replete with examples of Kafkaesque dystopian societies trapped in rules and procedures that punish the people they were intended to protect. Do not put your faith in those who would miss the spirit of the law by focusing solely on the, quote, fucking paperwork. Don't lose the forest for the trees. Evelyn says the police are there to protect citizens. Exactly. The police are to protect citizens, not to protect the law, not to protect the system. The laws and the legal system are the means to the end of protecting people, not the end in themselves. It is the bureaucrats who put the law above the citizens that Harry is fighting against. When the law and the system no longer serve the people and the greater good, it is up to people like Harry to stand up for the people, even if that means going against the system. In looking at the question, could Dirty Harry be made or remade today, it becomes apparent Dirty Harry itself could be a remake from an earlier time. In many respects, Harry Callahan is much like the character Tom Joad from John Steinbeck's 1939 novel The Grapes of Wrath played by Henry Fonda in the 1940 film adaptation directed by John Ford. Jode grows to be the head of his family, even though he is not the father, much as Harry is a leader on the police force, though he is not the chief. Jode fights against injustice, not just for his family, but for all who are oppressed by an unjust system. And yes, sometimes Tom Jode acts outside the letter of the law in order to preserve the spirit of justice. Tom Jode is a hero to be admired, not just despite his human frailties, but because of them. Because he knows he is not crossing his T's and dotting his I's, he knows some may think he is an outlaw, but still he must serve his inner vision of right and wrong, just as Harry Callahan serves his ideal of right and wrong, knowing how some will judge him. Where the Grapes of Wrath depicts the tyranny of colluding capitalists and corrupt strikebreakers, and a 21st century remake might depict the enemy as an international conglomerate pumping out pollution and defective products, Dirty Harry depicts the same struggle for justice framed by an antagonist of a serial killer and an ineffectual city leadership in a manner making that progressive message palatable to a mainstream 1971 audience. In the end, Harry throws away his badge. This is his admission. He knows he has crossed a line, but it was not willingly or gladly. Harry is not proud of the means by which he achieved his ends, but society asked him to do a job, and he did it. And in that scene when Harry discards that symbol of power invested in him by society, that seven-pointed star, there is another symbol he does not throw away. Harry holsters his gun, that tool some would see as a symbol for his dick, or rod, or Johnson. This shows that Harry retains his masculinity and controls it. Harry is not some dated caricature of toxic masculinity. He is a progressive metrosexual decades ahead of his time. The story of Dirty Harry Callahan is not one that needs to be remade for the present. It is a story that has been told time and time again. But it is a story that can and will be remade by the current generation and the generations to come. For the story of the struggle of the fight against the tyranny of the bureaucracy and the killers it enables is a story that will always be told. And so for these reasons, Dirty Harry is not a relic of a bygone era, but cinematic literature that is as evergreen as the oft-adapted Little Women. Thank you, Harry Callahan, and thank you, listeners.
I have been Sean German. Good night. Wow. Sean German dropping some bombs there. Karl Popper, Kafka, Steinbeck raising some important questions. Would Dirty Harry be better if Henry Fonda was in the lead? Should we try making a Dirty Harry Little Women mashup? Important questions, but there is a possibility Sean has alienated his audience by his blatant and quite deliberate use of the word vagina. Don't know how that will fly. Let's see if uh, his tirade can be effectively refuted with the next speaker for the affirmative, Karen Sims. Hi, I'm Karen Sims. I spent four hours with the Dirty Harry Minute folk analysing four minutes of the Dirty Harry movie. How's that for productivity? I'm arguing that Dirty Harry wouldn't be released as a movie in 2020. I'm arguing that because Hollywood has improved in all areas of the film industry since Dirty Harry was made. Before I proceed, I have two rebuttals to Sean German who spoke before me. Sean, firstly, too many vowels in your name. Secondly, Evelyn said pussy, you said vagina, and I feel like you want me to say cunt. I don't hate it, I don't love it. I'm pretty ambiguous about the word. I have a great one. I learnt a new word yesterday, prishka. Say it with me, prishka. Apparently it means the same thing, but I think the resonance is better. Prishka. Plus, I'm betting you've never heard it before, so you won't even know what I'm calling you. Anyhow, I contend that Dirty Harry would not be made today, but even if it were on the flimsiest of similar premises, it wouldn't be called Dirty Harry. It would be called Misunderstood Harry. Because that's what he is. Sweet, misunderstood Harry. Stick with me. Harry is let down by the people around him. Where was his mentor? Let's start with the mayor. Even in the credits, the words the mayor are in quotation marks. And for good reason. He was utterly incompetent in every area, especially in mentoring a handsome, brooding police inspector. However, in modern life and in all modern day movies, all men in positions of power are uber competent. Casting is better these days, another reason why the original wouldn't work today. Take the female bus driver. It fits she's a low-income earner on the front line, as all women should be. But why is she unattractive? If I want to see unattractive, I'll look in the mirror. The version of Misunderstood Harry would have a sexy female bus driver who's also a part-time yoga instructor with a penchant for uploading topless selfies. Hollywood now understands this. Contemporary scriptwriters would also have given Misunderstood Harry a friend with benefits. She would have been smart, but not too smart, perhaps similar to Norma, pathetic Chico's wife who so much wanted to get it on with Harry when they were walking down those unsafe external concrete steps. Side note, location scouts do better jobs these days too. One of the benefits of Harry's friend with benefits is that she would spend countless hours of her own time encouraging Harry to wear less brown. And if she had more and better sex with him, Harry wouldn't have had to spy on women through windows or go to girly bars and watch the precursor of pole dancing under the guise of following Scorpio. Again, let down. Well, the kids on the bus. Children don't go home from school on a bus these days. They're picked up by nannies and non-working mums in active gear and taken straight to the local cafe for avocado on toast. Complete disconnect between Dirty Harry and Misunderstood Harry. Dirty Harry also wouldn't work today because modern movies have 7,000 investors who see the rough cut and presumably one or two of them would pick up on the ridiculous decisions or non-decisions that were made in every facet of the original movie. And where's the product placement? These days, the logos of large corporations slip into external scenes of nearly every movie. In the 1970s, you could make a movie that was racist, homophobic, misogynistic and dreadful in every way. But oh no, you couldn't have product placement. Another reason the movie wouldn't fly today and exposes how terribly misunderstood Harry really was 
is that there was no employee assistance program. These days, HR would step in and say, Harry, you're not doing your paperwork, your diet is crap, you're making up stories about a dead wife, and you're insulting your colleagues. Please don't call fatso fatso. The correct term is chubs. Harry is the real victim here. However, my arguments may have been disjointed and weak, but please make up your own mind. I've been in isolation for a month with a family who hates me, a demented dog, and overwhelming morning sadness when I hear that Donald Trump is still alive. You need to take ownership of this one. Wow. Karen Sims there, offering a slightly different tangent to other speakers for the affirmative. Do you agree with her? Were her arguments disjointed and weak? Or is Harry's very misunderstoodness the reason why he cannot survive in today's climate? One thing we can all agree on, Prishka. Who would have guessed that in discussing a Clint Eastwood vigilante cop movie, we would end up talking vaginas quite so often? Will there be vaginas in the next argument. (laughs) Only one way to find out. Here, for the negative, is Austin Pond. I'm Austin Pond. Uh, You may know me from Dirty Harry Minute number 85 and the We Watch Movies podcast. First, I would like to thank my uh, debating colleagues for uh, making some very fine points. Uh, In particular, Sean German, whose uh, points I may uh, hit a few things similar to. So is Dirty Harry, a ridiculous film that could never be remade today? I don't think so, but to answer why, we have to go back in time a little bit. On the afternoon of November 22, 1963, three shots rang out in Dallas, ending John F. Kennedy's life, and with it, a hopeful, optimistic America, which had begun in post-World War II 1950s and continuing through Kennedy's Camelot dream. JFK would soon be joined by his brother Bobby, Martin Luther King Jr., thousands of soldiers in Vietnam, and several college students protesting to save those thousands, the last of these at the hands of police officers. Civil rights were a hot subject, and law enforcement was getting smacked down by the Constitution. Then came the 70s, Nixon, and the Vietnam Papers with them. This is the time and place into which Harry Callahan was written. They might call him dirty, but the rest of the world wasn't so clean either. Harry didn't trust the establishment, and who in the movie-going audience could blame him? They didn't either. And if he stepped on a few rules, and knees, to get the bad guys? Well, they were good people. It wouldn't be their knees under Harry's boots. They were mad as hell, even if Howard Beale hadn't told them they were yet. Soon other dark movies would follow. Death Wish, Taxi Driver, the great 70s disaster films. The world was gray, and death, destruction, and the anti-hero were in. Are we so different today? I'm a millennial. I remember 9-11. And what I remember sounds very much like what my boomer parents remember about that day in November. Add to that Cheney's WMDs, a long war in the Middle East, Al Gore's hockey stick, Black Lives vs. Blue Lives, and the Snowden Papers, to say nothing of the last three years. For outside the U.S., see also Brexit, to name just one. And the public trust in the man to take care of things is back to Nixonian lows. The pop culture reflects it. Even the great paragon of absolute morality, Captain Picard, finds himself in the latest Star Trek, way out in the gray, working outside the system because his trusted institutions are either too bureaucratic or corrupt to let him do the right thing by the book. So could you make Dirty Harry today? Absolutely. And as Sean German said, we already often are. Today, though, the serial killer is indeed out of vogue. In his place, the mass shooter and the self-radicalized lone wolf domestic terrorist. Maybe they don't leave cryptic notes in the newspapers, but there's someone we can fear nonetheless. So instead of police, maybe Harry is the FBI, or the CIA, or one of the lesser-known alphabet agencies, perhaps. We already have Jack Bauer of the CTU, Jack Ryan of the CIA, and Ethan Hunt of the IMF. But is enforcing the law by stepping around the law only the purview of entitled white men? Well, 
consider Alex Parrish, the lead character of the hit TV show Quantico, portrayed by Piranka Chopra, an Indian actress. Maybe justifying the means for their ends isn't just for the privileged white men. And do we mind? Usually not too much. We like to feel like someone out there is keeping us safe. Dirty jobs come along, you know, and someone has to do them. Just as long as they don't seem to enjoy it too much. Best to save the relish for their thrice-daily hot dogs. Mm, some meaty historical context there from Austin Pond. What do you think? Do you think Dirty Harry could have killed JFK? And if he had the chance, would he have? Did Dirty Harry do 9-11? These are questions perhaps for another day. But Austin, arguing his point articulately and with style, and incidentally, let me mention what a pleasure it is to hear so many American accents in this debate. Very exotic. Gets me feeling really quite frisky. I'm sure I'm only going to get friskier as we move on to our next speaker, Ryan Slewinski. Hey, Ryan, give it to us straight. Hello, listening people. This is Ryan Slewinski from the Spit and Polish Presents podcast. I have been tasked with concluding this debate for the affirmative on if Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today. I would like to thank all parties involved in this debate for offering up some really interesting and compelling thoughts on this topic. My fellow teammates in this debate have thoroughly explored the issue from small details like diet to the more damning details like sexism, racism, and corruption of the justice system, just to name a few. In regards to my opposition, I highly commend them and their wonderfully constructed agreements on the topic for... I barely heard an actual coherent disagreement with us in this debate. My opposition rarely, if ever, actually offered a counter to my team, but instead just laid out that they agree that Dirty Harry couldn't be made today. If so, the studios, the public, and the opposition would want to make a static change, story change, character change, gender change. Hear that word I'm using that they agree on? Change. Is there such a thing as too much change? If you remove all the pieces and fit new pieces in made from different material, do you still have the thing you started with or something completely different? I would say completely different. <laughs> And so does the opposition. They have tried to counter the more sensitive and problematic points that have been brought up by my team about the film Dirty Harry by, uh, you guessed it, by agreeing that they are just not there, but are in fact problems that are needing to be fixed. Doesn't their acknowledgement and want to fix these problematic issues just prove the main point of this debate? Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today. We say yes, and so does the opposition. Now, I'm sure they will say, we agree on the problematic issues, but we disagree on how it couldn't be made today. Forgetting that one of the main appeals of the film is the fact it is so problematic and filled with issues, and at its core is inherently mean-spirited. My side of the debate and the other, again, agree on the fact that serial killer and detective films are no longer popular, which, sadly, is indeed a true fact. Think of the last successful film in those fields, and think of one that even comes close to Dirty Harry. How long ago was it made? Most likely, quite some time back. I really do have to state this, but Dirty Harry is a cop movie, and if you do remove the serial killer aspect, then what are you left with? No longer do we have a cat and mouse chase between the symbol of order and a figure of chaos, but now we'd be given Harry in a different police department? What? Perhaps Chips 2, with Michael Pena talking about eating ass for ten straight minutes. Doesn't sound like Dirty Harry to me. As detailed by my team, Dirty Harry as a character is a sexist, racist, homophobic cop with a lust for violence, and, as apparently stated by the opposition, these facts are true, but one can make a movie with this character. Now, 
The debate isn't if a character like Harry can exist, but if a film like Dirty Harry can exist. Dirty Harry as a film never truly tackles the troubling issues of its protagonist, but instead champions them. When Harry makes a flippant remark or dangerous action, we the audience are supposed to find it charming, witty, funny, smart, thrilling, or most importantly, bad ass. Even if we understand his words and actions are bad, the film never truly does and never fully explores it. Harry the man can exist in a film today, but the film around him made today? (laughs) It would be a deep character study and introspection about him, and likewise with Scorpio the Killer. In the original film, we never found out why Scorpio kills. The new one, we would. Why does he kill? Dirty Harry... (laughs) is not a deep introspection on the human condition, but a fun, sleazy, grimy crime thriller in which we cheer for a cop to break all the rules to get the criminal. And if it wasn't that, then it isn't Dirty Harry, is it? As stated time and time again by both sides in this debate... The film is filled with ideas, characters, set pieces, and themes that would be changed if made today, thus making this debate null and void for the statement, Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today, is indeed a true statement, one that the opposition agrees with. Thank you. Brian Slowinski going in hard there tearing the opposition a new one, and using a kind of philosophical judo, using the negative cases, arguments against them to leave them flat on their backs. Or did he? Perhaps he's the one who fell flat for you. But you have to say it was a powerful and passionate rounding off the affirmative argument. We're about to find out whether it can be matched by the negative argument's conclusion, which will be brought to us by the quicksilver mind of Tom Glasson. Tom, lay it on us. Hi everyone, I'm Tom Glasson, third speaker for The Negative. Now, you might have heard me reviewing films on ABC's The Critics, or on this podcast covering Minute 76, in which a white guy voluntarily got the shit kicked out of him by a black guy, or as I call it, the Bledisloe. To the topic... Dirty Harry is a problematic movie that could not be made today. Well, to borrow from Tomatoa, the singing crab from Moana, I just need four words to tear that argument apart. Bad boys for life. Yes, officially 2020's biggest and most successful cinema release is proof that Dirty Harry could be made today because they've never stopped making it. But more on that in a minute. First up, congratulations to the affirmative for their well-reasoned, neatly constructed and utterly persuasive argument, is what I would have said had they actually had one. Instead, we got something more confusing than a San Francisco mayor whose office is half a mile down a dark corridor from where his secretary sits. Now, third speaker negative is traditionally the dirty Harry of debating roles. You thumb your nose at everything and everyone you've heard and gun down your opponent's arguments with gleeful abandon. But what were those arguments? We heard everything from diatribe about Donald Trump's response to COVID-19 through to the physics of shooting a virus with a shotgun. I'm not saying that was a good argument, but I am saying I'd like to play that game on my iPhone. There were also multiple complaints that Harry's gun, suit and diet were too old-fashioned. It's bonkers, but let's address that one first. Aside from outdated props having nothing to do with the topic of Dirty Harry being problematic, that's also not how movies work. When you remake a film, details like the costumes and props are updated to match the era in which it's set. So whatever an entitled white asshole cop shoots and wears in 2020, so too would Harry. As for hot dogs, though, he'd still be eating them because they're timeless and delicious. I'm actually eating one now. Mmm, tastes like raw justice. Raw justice and ketchup. But then at last, the affirmative did address the key issue. Dirty Harry is problematic and could not be made today because Harry is a racist, bigoted misogynist. And they're absolutely right. I mean, that film just wouldn't make sense now that those issues don't exist anymore in today's harmonious racial and sexual paradise where there's no such thing as white nationalism or anti-Semitism or Black Lives Matter movements or Me Too revolutions or somehow Nazism again. 
Unless they invented a vaccine for racism and sexism back in 1986 and I just missed it, those problematic issues didn't go away and, if anything, it feels like they're staging a comeback. We can't just make movies to reflect the world as we'd like it to be because no two people would agree what that utopia would look like and the Oscars would be even more fucking boring than they already are. And the winner of Best Everything in a Fantasy Film goes to, yeah, it's, it's fantasy. We tell the stories of the world as it is, even when that world is ugly and uncomfortable. Harry's views are incredibly problematic and they've never been more relevant. But what of Harry's vigilantism? Well, that's not a reason not to make a movie these days. It's basically a requirement for what is a superhero if not someone exacting extrajudicial justice. You think the Punisher's character traits aren't problematic? He stabbed a guy through the ear with a fence post and choked another one with a toilet brush. Give him a Netflix series! Just as it was in the early 70s, we're witnessing an extraordinary decay of trust in public institutions. Dirty Harry arrived not long after the implementation of Miranda rights and various other safeguards for the accused, and the film was very much a reaction to that. Today again, disillusionment and scepticism are rife, and every time a high-profile criminal is set free on purely legal technicalities, it only further stokes the fires of discontent. Harry is the embodiment of that public sentiment. To borrow from Christopher Nolan, he is both the cop we deserve and need right now. But back to my original point. We know Dirty Harry could and would be made today because Hollywood has never stopped making it. Pick any decade since the original film and you'll find countless examples of that maverick, vigilante, renegade law enforcer doing whatever it takes to bring down the bad guy. The 80s, you had Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop, Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon, Nico Toscani in a film literally called Above the Law. Then came the 90s with Joe Hellenbeck in The Last Boy Scout, John McClane in the Die Hard films, John Spartan in Demolition Man, in which, I should note, a sequel has just been greenlit. Even Detective John Kimball from Kindergarten Cop, what's with the Johns in the 90s? He punches an abusive dad in a kindergarten car park before announcing seconds later, it's felt great, in a scene we're invited to laugh along with because it's clearly the right thing to do. And sure, you might be saying, oh yeah, but action comedies are different to thrillers. Well, with the exception of snuff movies and pornos, genres aren't problematic, themes are. If they remade Dirty Harry as a romantic comedy, the complaints wouldn't be about the meat cute, they'd be about the way he blows off a florist's kneecap for mixing tulips with gardenias. Even in the noughties, you've got Vic Manning in Stuba, the gangster squad in Gangster Squad, Jack Reacher in Jack Reacher. He's a former military policeman who thumbs his nose at authority and kicks the shit out of 'er ne'er-do-wellers based on a black-and-white binary belief in right and wrong that supersedes the law. Sound familiar? As recently as last year, Nicole Kidman took up the badge and gun to play an alcoholic homicide detective named Aaron Bell, who's a maverick cop going off the reservation to track down an old enemy. Put simply, this type of film isn't going away. It is as enduring as the popcorn and choc-top stains ground into the fabric of every cinema seat. That was Tom Glasser. He came here to chew gum and to defend the relevance of Dirty Harry to today's society. And he ran out of gum long ago. Well, we've heard the arguments, both affirmative and negative. They've been well argued. They've been on point. They've been amusing, poignant, moving, emotionally turbulent in equal measure. I want to thank every one of the speakers here today for the way they have uh, earnestly and seriously addressed this very pressing issue. Frankly, this is one punk who does feel lucky because I have got to hear this debate. But it does fall to me to take on a very, very grave duty and judge the outcome of this debate. So, who has been the victor? The affirmative, who's argued that as violent, bigoted, and completely politically incorrect as Dirty Harry is, making it today is a ludicrous dream. Or the negative, who argue that the themes that Dirty Harry address survive to this day, and that we can just as easily make a movie about a guy with a big gun blowing away punks now as we ever could. 
Well, it's difficult. It's difficult because there are good arguments on both sides and good people on both sides. But I have to say that in the end, I have become convinced by one side utterly. And that is the side that argues that a movie about a bigoted, violent, emotionally repressed man who takes out his fury on those deserving of it while barely restraining himself from uncontrolled mayhem. Well, that sounds like a story for today, perhaps even more that it was a story for 1971. And as such, I have to award the victory in this Dirty Harry debate to the negative side. Dirty Harry may be a fascist wet dream, but it's a fascist wet dream that you could easily see reappearing in the cinemas today if the cinemas were open, which they are not. So it'll probably get a soft release on Netflix. Congratulations to the negative side for their victory, but congratulations to the affirmative side also. They were gallant in defeat, and there should be no shame attached to the loss, apart from, you know, the inevitable feeling of uh, disappointment and inadequacy that always comes with submitting to a superior opponent. Thank you for listening to the Dirty Parry Debate. I have been Ben Pobji. You can hear me on the Gather Around Me podcast with my partner Cam Smith. You can read my books, the latest of which is Mad Dogs and Thunderbolts. Out through a firm press on sale now. I hope to join you again in future for more fun chat on movies, violence, and other sexy, sexy topics. This is Ben Pobji signing off from the Dirty Harry debate. Thank you for listening. Dirty Harry is a ridiculous and problematic film that could never be made today. Today, 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 I can not today. As it's issues me to race Miranda issues every frame A product of its time Guilty of woke crimes Me, I love it, don't you? Okay, it's about time I came to start the party Sweat dripping over my body Dancing getting just a little bit naughty Do you want to get dirty? Oh, hi there I'm Chris Johnston, host of retro film podcast, Easy Riders Raging Podcast. That name again, just in case you wanted to check us out, is Easy Riders Raging Podcast. Anyway, I'm here as part of the argument that Dirty Harry, or as I imagine you call it in Australia, Dirty Harry-O, couldn't be made in 2020. I guess I'm here filling the uh, whinging pom quota for this episode. But my argument largely focuses on the character of Harry Callahan perhaps better known as Dirty Harry. I mean, just think about that. This hard-as-hell, bad Mother Hubbard, his name is Harold. Harold, a name most closely associated with Ian Smith's character of Harold Bishop in Neighbours, right? Anyway, my issue isn't with his name, or indeed his dress sense, because his clothes make him look like he should be a supply teacher. It's with his personality. You see, Harry is one of those play-by-his-own-rules, shoot-first, ask-questions-later type law enforcers. In fact, I'd argue that he is in fact the archetype for this model of character. And like you, I've seen a bunch of Maverick cop films, and I've enjoyed many of them. Hell, I enjoy this film a great deal. But as an on-screen cliche, that kind of policing seems like the product of a bygone era. I think Jack Bauer in the post-9-11 George Bush era, that was the last time I think viewers could accept this type of behaviour from their heroes. Police in more recent times especially American police, over there in cowboy land, do not have a great image. You think about Ferguson, you think about the events which took place at Fruitvale Station, even over here in Blighty, the land of tea and incompetence. The London riots of 2011 began with the murder of Mark Duggan by the police. So to many people, the cops, 
You know, the Wallopers, the Jacks, the Blue Heelers. They're the bad guys. And not necessarily without reason. So I think as a generation, we've consigned the idea of renegade police to the past. Plus you add to that the fact that Dirty Harry is a massive homophobe. And you go, that's, that's not cool, man. That doesn't make you tough. That doesn't make you more manly. That just makes you a terrible human being. You add on top of that, that Harry's a big old racist. And again, that's just a horrible thing to be. And so a character who is both of these things, well, that just makes them human garbage. And I don't think that's what people want from their movie heroes. They can be conflicted, they can be troubled, but they can't be hate mongers. For example, you couldn't imagine seeing Chris Evans' Captain America in a MAGA hat, could you? And so likewise, you can't imagine a policeman like Dirty Harry in 2020. You just can't. That said, if they really, really had to remake this, I'd like to see Ian Smith play the role. How does that sound? The old Melbourne maverick, old fuddy-duddy himself, out there against the Scorpio killer. That's not a knife. Bang! This is a knife. Stabs him right there in the thigh. And then job done. Drives home in his ute, has a VB and a meat pie. But I think I'm starting to ramble, and I'm quite possibly bordering on xenophobic myself. So just to sign off, if you're interested in hearing discussions on classic films, my podcast, Easy Riders Raging Podcast, is just starting a run on 1950s films. And we'd love to have you as a listener. Cheers, mate. The atmosphere has gone a bit 1984. Police in Northampton have been getting calls from people reporting their neighbours for taking exercise more than once a day. Are these people vigilantes out on the streets trying to protect the vulnerable? Now, I can't remember whether I washed my hands six times or only five, but the question you got to ask yourself is, do I feel fluey? Well, do you, punk? If so, go home immediately. I enjoyed the film very much. I thought it was, uh, you are uh, terrific. Sam Rockwell, Kathy Bates, uh, terrific. I knew something of the story. I didn't, I didn't know everything. But we know quite a lot about Clint Eastwood. So here's the question that I'm, that I'm chancing. But one of the messages that I kind of took away from the movie is the mainstream media tell lies and you can't trust them. The FBI, they'll screw you if they get the chance. And, of course, that kind of resonates with some of the things that President Trump says and we know about the politics of Clint Eastwood and I don't want to get I don't want to get too you know too detailed about it but when you when people get to the end of your movie they'll think the FBI disgraceful the mainstream media disgraceful I mean am I wider the mark here tell me if I am well I think you're you're more so what you're saying is an untrue but you're also kind of playing into the 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 spotlight of the moment if you will so okay. when, when I saw the film Fruitvale Station uh, with Michael B. Jordan, I was furious leaving the theater for what happened to that young man and his friends and his family. Um, but did I leave the theater going, you know, I really hate cops. I really hate the police. I, I think all authority figures are null, void, and crooked and stupid. Of course I didn't because I'm a, I'm a normal-minded individual who saw a film and was outraged by an isolated incident. Our film purports to do the exact same. It's just, it's just in the backdrop and the poor timing of the Trump administration. You know, that's not really any of anyone's fault. If people make that connection and think that Clint Eastwood has a big fat crush on Donald Trump, I assure you that's untrue. I've spoken <laughs> with Clint Eastwood. He does not have a big fat crush on Donald Trump. Um, and his opinions on politics stayed pretty quiet. On set, if Clint was ever talking about anything, it was usually self-deprecating stories about his family or his past work, you know. Good morning, Tim. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Tim. Thanks for calling the show. And uh, you got one about a claim to fame. Yeah, so I had a, uh, I had a couple of years with Clint Eastwood for a couple of hours. Um, just me and him. Yeah, I was a bartender in Vancouver. And he walked in. When was this? Uh, he, it was mostly 10, maybe 12 years ago. Um, and I knew why he was in town. His daughter had had an accident, a, a fire. So I actually, there was only about five people. It was a Sunday night. And so I shut the bar without him knowing and locked the front door. Scary. And, <laughs> Creepy. And just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hung out with him, and we actually yeah. Well, had he had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like to leave now? No, you can't. 
Tim. Doors are locked. Tim, 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 yeah, pretty normal. We we actually I knew he smoked cigars and they're illegal in the state. So I actually had some Cuban cigars. And uh we had a had a couple of L's. It was really good. Tim if I smoke this then can I go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like misery in a bar. Tim, Tim. It's like the king of comedy here. <laughs> Tim, thank you very much you called me. Poor Tim, sorry, it was just a locked door. Keyword that without him knowing, if I was in a bar and you just heard someone casually going, you hear a door lock. You're like, what the hell? I don't want any cigars. I just came into it. You know that thing we go just to use the toilet. You go, yeah, have a lemonade, and then suddenly the door's locked. 